Thank you for taking time to listen to this message from New Life Community Church. We are located at 134 Lakewood Drive in Luling and invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 1030. Please visit our website at newlifeluling.com for more information on our ministries. We pray that this message will encourage you on your faith journey as you seek to live, understand, and share God's Word. Good morning. This morning I'm reading from Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. And I'm sorry, I'm reading from the King James Version. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up which is what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. a season turn, 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 and a time to every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plan, a time to read, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to laugh, a time. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. 
Well, this past Christmas, Rhonda and I gifted each other with uh, the DNA testing for Ancestry.com. Now, um, you know, when you do this, you're wondering, okay, I have an idea about where we're from, but not really sure, but they, they do the DNA testing and they determine what location you're from. I don't know if you can see this very well, but I'm mostly from England, Wales, and Northeast Europe, and uh, Ireland and Scotland and France, and that's about it, that's that location. So got that idea of, of where we're from, but one of the things that I found that you could also do with this, I'm not advertising for them, but I found that it was just fun to play with, that I, I knew some of the family members on either side of my family, but not a lot of them. And so they have this family tree tool that you can have. Of course, you could pay extra for more information, you know, but, but with what they've got, um, I put in the names of some of my family, and then they'll give you hints that this is probably the next person in line. And so they'll have, you know, like five to 20 hints down to like one. Well, I started chasing this rabbit down these rabbit holes of, of my family. And I found that, you know, you just keep on going, and I couldn't stop myself. And, of course, you have all these different branches of the family from both mom and dad. And then uh, I started filling out all the names and the dates and all these people, and I was able to trace my family back pretty far. Uh, there is one, uh, his name was Bob Younger. Not to be confused with the outlaw Bob Younger of the... Uh, at first we thought we were related to them, and it was a great embarrassment to my mother. But, but it's not that Bob Younger. This Bob Younger was a Methodist preacher. I didn't even know I had that in my family. But in the 1920s, he came to Christ, and then he started preaching the gospel. And they've got records of when he was uh, ordained, how he was brought through. I just, I just didn't know that. Um, on, on one thread I went through, I, uh, I stopped because there was no other sign. It was in the 1500s of, of William, William Yeo of Devonshire, England. You know, you want, you want to hear someone really famous. Sorry, nobody, nobody in my line. You know, no kings or queens, nothing like that. But you know, what's amazing to me about this is that when I was younger, it was the most boring thing in the world. And my dad loved to tell me all about the family line. And I would be just, oh, please, just shoot me now. I just don't want to hear this anymore. I don't, I'm not interested. And then, now here I am tracing my family all the way back. And my dad has passed away, so we don't have all of his information anymore. Now I wish I would have listened a little bit more. But I also realized that something about me changed. I changed in the way that I viewed things. I'm, I'm entering this different season of life right now. You know, uh, I, I want to know more of, of where I came from and what makes me, me. And so I, I started tracing this back. And, you know, I know my name is going to go on this list. It's on it now. I know my name is going to go on this list and how am I going to be remembered? Is my name just going to be a name and some dates at the bottom of it? I don't know. I also thought, you know, that after looking at all these names, now I might be able to recognize a family member or two when I run into them in heaven. Or there's some that I won't be meeting, I'm sure. We all change as the years go by, and, uh, and, and that's really supposed to. You know, that's, it's the seasons of life that we go through. We're not the same people we were when we were younger. 
We've changed. There's too much that's happened, too much water under the bridge, too much of life, too much of the way that we view the world that changed things. And so we change. You know, when I started first grade, I was five years old. My dad thought I was so smart. You know, he put me in earlier. And so uh, five years old. So I was usually the youngest in my, in my classes growing up. You know, um, I was one of the youngest in high school. I was one of the youngest in seminary when I, uh, since I went straight from, from college. And I was one of the young preachers in the Louisiana Conference, you know, um, um, uh, long hair, it was black back then, black with a, with a big uh, mustache, black mustache, played the guitar and sang, time went on, and I changed, obviously, I don't look that way anymore, now I'm the gray-headed older pastor, older but wiser, I hope, um, ready to retire and enter into a new season of my life with ministry and life. To everything, there is a season. The teacher of Ecclesiastes, you know, he, he's looking at his own life. And if you've read that, especially the first part, you're going, man, this guy experienced everything. Everything, good and bad, and, and a lot of good. And he realized that, you know, this is what he said. All was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing is gained under the sun. And, and uh, the King James Version says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And so it's like it's, there's no point to it. What's the point of all this? And because he went through all of these things, and maybe he gained a little wisdom by the time he got to Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 3. Because it's, it's talking about to everything there is a season. I started thinking about the seasons of life overall. And uh, some have compared the seasons of life uh, to the seasons of the year. Now, that's not in Louisiana, okay? You know, in one week, we can experience all four seasons of the year. But in most places, there, is, there are actual seasons. And in our life, there are actual seasons. There's the springtime. We start in the spring. We're born. New life, uh, youth, uh, childhood, and growing up. Hope, promise of the future, there's all kinds of possibility in front of us. We're unaware of the consequences of our actions long term. We want the benefits of being older, and yet we are unaware of the responsibilities that come with being older. And we think we'll live forever because we're young. Well, we enter into the summer season. Then comes the summer, and we start warming up to life with, with our shirt sleeves rolled up. You know, life heats up. We establish ourselves in career and work and business and might start a family. And we go through the ordinary, everyday experiences of life, of work and paying bills and raising a family and responsibilities. It can be a joy or it can be oppressive. Some young adults transitioning into this season called it adulting and so uh, this is the definition I found on adulting the practice of behaving in a way characteristic of a responsible adult especially the accomplishment of mundane but necessary tasks and I found that uh, those that are entering this time don't like it at all and so uh, I liked uh, this slide on Adulting 101. It was like teaching a course. Learn, join us in room 187 for Adulting 101. Learn useful skills like paying taxes, writing checks, voting and politics, paying bills, drinking coffee, changing tires, 
watching your cholesterol, being bitter. Well, <laughs> hopefully it's, that was not on the course. Uh, it, can be a, it can be a time of transitioning, a time of planting seeds for the future or trying to escape the future. Summertime. Autumn. Then comes fall when we start shedding things that don't matter so much anymore. We, just like leaves on a tree. We change more and more physically during that time. More health issues surface. We begin to reap the harvest of our earlier years. And if we prepared well, we might be at the height of our career. Or we might be able to get to early retirement. And we face unexpected changes due to health or death or illness or more. So autumn is a real time of shifting of change. And then, of course, we come to winter, our winter years, when we can enjoy the benefits of our earlier years with retirement, uh, helping to raise grandkids without as much responsibility, free time to do whatever we wanted to do. And so we kind of cozy up with our memories. We start going through those pictures. Remember when they had pictures that you could hold in your hand? You know, we start going through some of that and start looking at those, and we reminisce a lot. And we... we um, we look at pictures of when we were young and we wonder, where did that person go? Because we look in the mirror now and it's nothing like, who is that? I don't even know them anymore because they don't look like what I remember I used to look like. So we hardly recognize ourselves in the mirror anymore. Sometimes we try to cling to the past. Uh, sometimes it's out of fear. And we grieve over the good old days, mainly because our memory has gone bad and we don't remember how the good old days really were. They were not always so good. We seem to go to more funerals. For some, change is difficult and we stubbornly resist it. For others, winter is a time of freedom. Who cares what anybody thinks anymore? You start saying whatever you think now, get in trouble probably more for that. You start saying whatever you think. I'll wear funny hats if I want to. I don't care. I'll wear shorts with my socks up to here if I want to because I don't care what anybody thinks anymore. And I, I'm going to try things that I've never tried before. I've never tried sushi. Maybe I'll try sushi. Actually, I have, but people will say that. Or I'll go skydiving. Now, I've never done that. Hey, who knows? Rhonda won't let me. Well, we begin to realize that we can't do all the things that we used to do. And sometimes it's due to poor health or aches and pains or limited resources, but we still do what we can do. Each season marks this change in our lives, and we begin to see the shift as we look at it the older we get. Each season has its joys, and each season has its concerns. Each season is what you make of it. Now, during those seasons, I've come to believe that God has a spiritual alarm clock that goes off about every decade of our lives. And I've noticed that. I've watched people. I've watched uh, people of different ages, of the things that I've experienced myself, that uh, there's an alarm clock that goes off. And when we hit midlife, there is a louder alarm that goes off. And I think this is for men and women. And it can come anywhere from your late 30s to your early 50s. And it's a time when we recognize that we've lived maybe half of our lives and that we still have another half to go, we hope, but we are also beginning to see the finish line more than we ever did before. And we recognize we're getting closer to it. And so at midlife, we start looking at these things and it terrifies some people. And people will cling to their, their youth 
And we begin to look at what have I accomplished and achieved? What have I not? What dreams have died? What dreams live on? And we realize half of our life has gone by and we grieve over some things. I will not be drafted into the NFL next year. That's just not going to happen and it's never going to happen. My life maybe has not turned out like I expected. So how much time do I have in my life? And some people take that midlife time and they make it a crisis. They make it a midlife crisis because they don't know how to handle it. It's here and it's a shift and they just don't know how to handle it. So they try to cling to their youth. They buy sports cars like vets or... I'm not going to look around the, the, the congregation. Or, you know, or, and, and that's a safe thing, but there are other things that people will do that's not so safe. You know, that people go, oh, I'm trying to reclaim my youth. So they leave their family for someone younger, and they destroy everything around them. And it's that crisis time that they didn't know how to handle. And they leave behind them a wake of destruction, of broken families and empty dreams. But I've also seen that others, especially those who have had a solid base in Christ, have handled that transition time a whole lot better. And moving into more of what God has in store for their lives, that's what they're looking at next. It's not, oh, I'm panicking over what's next. God, things are changing. I'm ready for something new, something different. And then finding good and positive things that you can do. That's the time that, uh, that I went back to school and received my, my last degree. You know, it's also when I, I started working in mission with the Methodist Church in Cuba. It's also a time when I shifted some things in ministry and started working with more contemporary worship. So you can, you can still take that midlife transition and make it a transition and not a crisis. But the seasons remind us of one of the certainties of life, and that's change. Life changes. Things never remain as they are. And if we cannot adapt, we fight it. We fight change, or we get angry, and we resist, or we get bitter, or we stay stunted in our growth and stuck in the past. Or we adapt, and we learn, and we grow. And we embrace the changes and the joy, the newness that each season of life brings. Otherwise, you're caught in this vortex, this swirling vortex, screaming for help because you feel like you're drowning. You're sucked into it all and you're out of control. And we cling sometimes to things that are temporary until we find uh, what T.S. Eliot called the still point in a changing world. The one who is constant, unchanging, dependable, the Lord God Almighty, the King of the universe, creator of all things, the anchor of our hope. Sometimes we try to ground our lives on things that won't last, and when change comes, our life collapses. For some of us, and it's especially, I don't know if this is true, I just know this is true especially of guys. Usually men base uh, our, who we are based on our job, and I've seen that a lot. And what we do. And then change comes. And, and what do we do? Retirement is a scary thing. I talked, I talked to the, uh, the funeral director this, this week. And he was telling me, you know, I've had more funerals of people who have retired a week after their retirement date. 
It's because what else do we have in life? If we've, if we've just confined ourselves to that, there's got to be more. And so we move on to what God has in store for us. But sometimes we have trouble with it. There was a couple of weeks ago, uh, our men's group watched a video interview from the Rock Church in San Diego. And Pastor Miles McPherson, who is a former NFL uh, football player um, with the Chargers, was interviewing Drew Brees. Remember, Drew used to play for the Chargers at one time. They knew each other real well. Um, Drew Brees, quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. And, and they were talking about Drew's faith in Christ. And a lot of people may not have known about the strong faith that he has. And, and Brees talked about two different times in his life when he had what could have been career-ending changes, career-ending injuries and how Christ helped him through it all. So Pastor Miles asked Drew this question, what's the one thing you would like to tell people about your faith in Jesus Christ? Here's an excerpt from that. If you you could say one thing to the crowd, there are people out here who are going through everything in their life, trying to trust God. Some people have no money, no job. Some people have a bunch of money and no hope. And everything in between, there are people here who don't know God, and we're going to give you an opportunity to know God here in a minute. What would you say to them and the, and the people out on all our campuses as well? You know, I, I, I guess I'd say this. You know, everyone's searching for a purpose, for a calling in their life, and, and maybe for their identity. And I think so many times we wrap ourselves up in our identity being what we do or what we're aspiring to do or what we feel like people want us to do. Um, I'll use the example of a professional athlete. You know, so many guys, when they leave the game of football, go through tremendous amount of depression because what was their identity? Well, it was as a football player. And all of a sudden, when they're no longer playing football, their identity is somewhat stripped away. So I would just challenge us all, and I've given this a lot of thought, why can't our identity be as Christians, as believers? Because you, you'll always have that identity. You can never have that taken away from you, no matter what happens in your life. And... That, that identity of a Christian, of a believer, also gives certainty to each and every day. It doesn't necessarily mean you know exactly what's going to happen each and every day, but the certainty that God has a plan for you, and God has given you certain talents, abilities, and strengths to go forward and glorify his name with, um, and that he is continuing to mold you and strengthen you with certain challenges and opportunities in your life. But... Um, that certainty is what should give you great confidence each and every day. That identity as a Christian, as a believer. Very good. Amen. Look, you know, it's something that um, Drew says there about God molding us and shaping us into what he's calling us to be through all the experiences in our life. I think we forget that sometimes. We feel the push sometimes. We're, we're like a lump of clay. There's this video of, a, of, of an artist who is... Uh, shaping the, the head of this man that's right there. But just think of how God is shaping us and molding us. Sometimes he's got to cut a little bit. Sometimes he's got to push a little bit. Uh, that he's always forming us into the man or woman that he's called us to be. I think sometimes that's why we change physically as we get older. Because there should be something growing younger and stronger inside of us as we age. That, that faith in Christ. Um, there's a scripture that says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, 
are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. God's not through with us yet. He's preparing us for glory. He is preparing us for something more. To glorify Him, not just now, but throughout eternity. What He's doing in your life now is shaping us. You know, the gathering in the funeral liturgy says, Here and now, dear friends, we are God's children, and what we shall be has not yet been revealed. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Those who have this hope purify themselves as Christ is pure. God is not through with us yet. If things are not so hot right now, hold on. It's just like the weather in Louisiana. If things are not so great right now, just wait a few minutes. Things are going to change. If things are not so hot in your life right now, hold on. Things are going to change. Put your trust in the one who is constant and sure in every change of life. So in the meantime, uh, we can still look at, at Christ. Christ is called the still point in a changing world, the anchor of our hope. And we can weather any storm when we hold on to Him. So in the meantime, there are some things that we can do. The first is just embrace the season of life that you're in. Enjoy it. Don't be looking at what went, at, what went before or even so much about what goes on after. Enjoy and embrace the season that you're in. The second thing is accept and appreciate what season of life others are in. They are not where you are, but appreciate those things. The, the youth appreciating the things in the older adults. The older adults appreciating the things that are going on in the youth. The third thing is invest in the future of others because it's going to be your legacy. When your name is put in that Ancestry.com thing and it goes way down and someone just sees who you are, invest in the future now. It's going to be your legacy. This last story has a lot of versions to it, but uh, here's one more. There was an elderly man who was busy digging a large hole in his backyard. And his neighbor looked over the fence and saw him. Hidey ho, neighbor, what you doing? The old man said, I'm planting a fruit tree. And it's supposed to produce some delicious fruit in about 10 years. And the neighbor said, well, you know, I hate to ask you this, but do you think you're going to be around long enough to enjoy it? And the older man said, no, I'm pretty sure that I won't. I'm not planning it for me. I'm planning it for my children and my grandchildren so that they might enjoy the fruit. Invest in the future of others. Embrace the season of life that you're in. Live through the changes of each season that with the ever-constant, unchanging God who never changes but is constant in our lives through Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He'll guide you through every change. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, life is changed. I, I, I guess you designed it that way. It's so that we never get so dependent on one place, but that our confidence is in you. Not on our abilities, not on our looks, not on any of those things that, that the world counts as most important. We know that there are things that we need in life, but we also know that you provide for it. And you never take those things away when we put our trust in you. But if anything, you give greater meaning to, to all those things that we have. We know we wouldn't have that without you. We know how brief life can be. 
And so, Lord, through all the changes of life, as we look at where we are right now, to embrace that. That's what you've wanted for us. To enjoy it. To find life in our life. And with all the changes. To open the door for others, Lord, that are growing and have yet to face so many things. To help in any way that we can to make the way smoother for them. But more than anything else, for us to point to them. To point to you. To point to you. As the one who is unchanging reality strength, the still point in a changing world. And so, Lord, we thank You for the changes in our lives. We pray that You would teach us, continue to teach us. May we uh, spend eternity learning from You and about You, but so that our lives may glorify You. So move within us today to turn it all over to You. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.